Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 139. Once again, you got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about shooting uh, some drills, doing pistol stuff, and then some vehicle-based um, things we did as well. Absolutely. Um, guys, one of the things that we talk about on a regular basis um, with sighting systems and stuff like that, that applies to handguns, but as well rifles and shotguns too, is that the distance at which you, at your own personal skill level, um, can can literally pick the gun up, eyes closed, and hit a target. Um, so Brian recently picked up a book from some dude who shoots like a god and, and put this book out there. Who, what's the book? Uh, it's Practical Shooting Training by Ben Stoger, or Steger. And Joel Park, if you don't have it, highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll just leave so, it at that. Yeah, so the, the, book, the book has, it, it is literally encyclopedic in, like, the knowledge that's within the book. I haven't read it yet, but I kind of breezed through it a little bit. Um, and, but the drills in it are very practical in nature and very exploratory in nature, very much like, hey, here's some metrics for you to work with that are going to make you, that are going to humble you to, to no doubt. Um, but but they also help you to explore where you're actually at um, within the world of running a handgun um, for USPSA specifically. But I think it also carries over and applies to just shooting the gun in general in so many ways. Yeah. Um, so the, the series of drills that we ran were really designed to give you an idea of at what distance you can simply point the gun and get an A-zone hit versus finding the front sight flash picture, get an A-zone hit versus um, actually having to have a hard sight picture and managing the trigger to get an A-zone hit. Um, so we're going to kind of break down, you know, how we ran through those, a little bit of, of our experience, and, and some of the guys that we shoot with, too, because the experiences were, were definitely different, and I don't know if it had to do with sighting system, skill level, experience, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll start off explaining what the first sure. one was. So what we did it was called Confirmation Drill. Um, this was developed by Wansit Kim. Um, if you listen to Practical Shooting Training After Dark, which you should, uh, he's known as the professor. Um, Wansik is a individual who mo actually moved to the United States from Korea because he wanted to shoot pistols at speed. <laughs> and you can't do that in Korea unless you're doing it with airsoft. Uh, and he's just he's really broken down a lot of stuff, especially on the visual side. Um, so this particular drill, um, we did at 5 yards and at 10 yards. Uh, we ran... I think five rounds per time at, at five at five and we shot three rounds per time at 10. Uh, but we shot confirmation one, which is simply a body index. Yep. Uh, I guess I, I should point out each, each iteration of this, you start with the pistol relatively aimed at the bottom of a USPSA backer. And then on the B you're sending around into the A zone of the target or trying to send around into the A zone of the target. Uh, so confirmation one, all we're doing is we're using um, a body index, and when it feels right, yeah, uh, send the round. Yeah. Uh, confirmation two, we're getting a flash sight picture, so we see some part of the front sight or some color of the front sight, uh, where we see that the color of the dot, like in where it's supposed to be, and you send the shot. Yep. And then confirmation three, uh, we've got perfect sight alignment, so. Um, front sight in the rear notch, you know, even light, things look real good um, with iron sights, or we have the dot exactly where we want it for a pistol with a dot on it. Yeah, and so it, it, the the point is to find out, you know, at five yards, what can you do? 
if you watch USPSA shooters on the close targets where they run up to some manner of barricade or some manner of obstruction that visually blocks the target, but then reach over to or around it and there's a target within probably seven yards or so, um, it looks like they're not aiming. <laughs> they're not. Uh, they're using they're using uh, muscle memory, um, you know, created neural pathways, um, you know, that that body index, the whatever force. you want to call it, the force, whatever you want to call it. Um, when it looks like they're not looking or they're not, you know, aiming at those targets, they, they may not actually be aiming at those targets because they're because that's the distance or within the distance at which they can use body index, muscular index, whatever, and go on. Yeah. Um, and so actually, to, to build on that, I yeah. did a class with Mike Fanone a number of years ago, and one of his big things is that we start with gross aiming with the hips. So we get the yep. hips oriented squarely to the target. Um, that really brings in line the arms, the head, everything else. So while it may not look like they're aiming with the sights, they're definitely aiming with their body. And even around stuff, a lot of times the box on the ground won't let them step out from behind that barricade. But you'll watch them. They'll turn their hips. Their hips are still pointed toward the target, even if the gun is going around some inner vertical structure. Yeah. Um, so the turret aspect of that is something that most instructors um, at, a, at a more advanced level teach in some fashion. Um, whether it's Spalding with his ready positions, you know, whether it's Pannone, whether it's um, almost anyone, uh, you know, the guys that have gone and trained with Scott Jedlinski um, with the Modern Samurai Project stuff, a lot of that is body position stuff that starts foundationally with where your body's pointed and goes all the way out to where your hands are on the gun to make stuff work, um, especially body index. So, you know, I, and I think we were seeing um, most of our guys were, I'm going to say we had guys running at mid threes, like three sixes, three nines, all the way up through like four, five O's basically. Yeah, Pretty much everybody was at, under at five yards at five yards. One. Yeah. For confirmation one, um, the times for a couple guys changed a little bit going to the flash sight picture. We had a couple guys who had changed maybe two tenths of a second. Maybe they went from that, that four O to a six O or something like that, or a four nine to a six nine or whatever the case was. Um, and then, and then some other guys that really didn't change at all. Like for me, my time was nearly identical. Body index based going to the front sight was not a lot different. I didn't really lose anything there. Um, but I lost up two tenths going from there to finding the front sight in a, in a good hard sight picture. I gained two tenths of a second. So it's interesting that some guys gain two tenths going from body index to finding the flash front sight picture, but then didn't really change much going from the flash front sight picture to a hard front sight picture. I and I think that was guys, some dot things. Those guys gained usually like about another two tenths. It depends. Some of them did, some of them didn't. Um, I know like Andrew didn't, you know I mean? So it's kind of interesting just to see what, and I, I would be curious to like dig deeper into that conversation with like what they thought the change was. Um, and when we did our debrief, I kind of wish I'd asked that question because yeah. I did touch on the fact that I found it interesting that some of us were the same speed on the front end versus the back end. And that was, that was just kind of interesting. I wonder what that's all about. I wonder if that's a visual thing, if it's a sighting system thing, because I think just about everybody who didn't have a difference in time was running a dot. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, guys running irons, it seemed to that they did. And yeah. I think that would confirm that irons are probably just a skosh slower, which yeah. makes perfect sense. So. Uh, but anyway, um, a, a lot of guys learned that at five yards, um, sights really aren't necessary. Yeah, I on mean, season or better yeah. is happening with yeah. regularity. Yeah, and and if you and again, we have a conversation around how targets are made. Um, USPSA targets leave a gap at the top that's still a good hit zone. 
Um, you know, for me, I was stringing vertically, but all lined up exactly where I wanted at the top of that A zone or right into the C zone, but directly on the top of it. And the body index thing, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't even blink. If there's nothing else around the bad guy yeah. or behind the bad guy necessarily or whatever, taking that shot, I, I've never had any compunction about, you know, seven yards and in not needing the front sights. I thought that number was 10 yards, and I found out in the next part of the drill that it indeed was not 10 yards, that I need to be five to seven yards. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. Um, you know, same kind of conversation. We did the exact same drill at 10 yards. Um, generally, everybody was had functional hits that would have modified somebody's behavior at five yards. At 10 yards, that changed drastically. And some of that was like you spoke about muscle tension. You know, yeah. you're you're all locked up. The beep goes off, and you bring the gun up, and you overcompensate. You muscle well, the, the gun so high, the, or the over was really with the sights. Yeah, uh, because you're not going to know that you've driven the gun too high unless you've got you're using on the, the sights, sights yeah. and figuring out where they're pointed. Yeah, uh, grip really becomes important at ten yeah. yards. Uh, part of being able to send the shot very quickly is being able to just slap the trigger. Yep. And you can't slap the trigger and not have it adjust what the gun is pointed at um, if you don't have just a rock solid grip. Absolutely. And and the mechanics again, you know, at five yards, if your grip and everything are perfect, that's your body alignment as well. If you're if it's not, guys who are coming out of the holster, um, if they if you come out of the holster, we see a lot of that first shot. They're really struggling if they're trying to go fast because you don't get maybe the perfect grip on the gun if you haven't trained enough to make sure that you get it. Um, and that could be a function of belt, holster, gun, training, lack of training, etc. But at 10 yards, it was painfully obvious that, you know, if you weren't getting the grip on the gun, you weren't going to make anywhere near the hit. And there were definitely some guys who struggled with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. I think, you know, we went at five yards, uh, just the order of the rotations. Uh, we went to 10 yards. The guys at the front of the rotation, I think, tried to pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, grip strength and grip on the gun uh, but it, it, it just wasn't there yep uh, yep you know counting is like oh wait a second there's only two holes on the target and there's supposed to be three yeah yeah well and i mean i did the same i, I actually did that i actually pulled one that was that was just off the head of the target um to the left i went right over the shoulder just trying to go fast and thinking oh well at five yards this is a no-brainer but at twice the distance um it was i had one shot off the target before i finally gathered my wits and yeah. Then proceeded to still not shoot as well as I wanted until we talked about sights, and then it was like, okay, cool, we're good. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Anything to add to that? Uh, so on the <clears throat> on the sighted part, being able to stay target focused yeah. is really important. Um, and in this, when we uh, when we say target focused, we mean our eyes are visually locked on to the target and the focal plane that the target is in. Yeah. And then we're bringing that front sight or bringing the dot. Um, in line to where our eyes at and we're not really shifting our focal plane with our eyes back to the site or back to the dot yeah. um, definitely not with the dot because that's not what the dots for yeah um, and it's fairly counter counterintuitive to classical pistol tr pistol training um, where the idea is to have a hard front sight focus yeah um, but being target focused we can drive the drive the sights to the, where we're looking uh, and it saves a lot of time. It generally, I think, helps prevent um, traveling above or below or to the side or whatever with the pistol and having to bring the gun back to where you want it. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. that correction is very expensive from a time perspective. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, you know, we talk about classical pistol shooting, front sight focused. Um, 
being counterintuitive is actually counterintuitive to life. Um, when there's a threat trying to harm you, um, unless you have trained and trained and trained, um, the reality that, you know, we hear from folks who aren't well-trained who are in life or death environments, say on a regular basis, yeah, um, the guy had a great big knife and I heard this pop, 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 pop off in the distance and then realized I was shooting my gun at him. Um, you'll never see your front sights. Uh, well, if you're not trained to look for them, you probably won't get to them and you will default to your, the level of training that you've mastered, not to the level of training that you've done or failed at. So, you know, um, the, you know, the, the, the front sight focus thing, there are some distances at which I will say that there's no front sight necessary. You don't need to find your sights and you may not have time to find your sights as it works out. Yeah. So point shooting or that body index shooting is definitely something to have in your repertoire, but you need to have a fairly concrete understanding of the distances at which you can make body index hits on an appropriately sized target. Um, and then understand that they better be good hits because now we throw in movement, low light, etc. Your movement, yeah. the bad guy's movement, etc. Um, but those are all things that will win the day in a close quarters environment. So knowing how to point shoot, you know, saying that, well, you need to learn how to use your sights every single time. Um, gosh, if I have a hold of the bad guy, I probably know where the muzzle of my gun is. I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. So, you know, work through it. Uh, yeah. So the other part of that, you know, confirmation drill is single shots at a time. Yep. So if we start shooting strings of fire... Um, like say a build drill yep. as an example, um, having the grip to maintain yep. uh, where that gun's pointed at is very important. And I think that's where you'll be able to get some kind of a sight reference yeah. on the second, third, fourth, sixth shot to make sure the gun's still pointed where we think it is, Yeah, is really important. Yeah. And that's, that's a visual acuity and training conversation. That's learning how to track the front sight or at least know where it should come back to. But a big part of that is the more you muscle the grip. Yep. The, the more it's going to come back to the same place faster. So all those things tend to add up and actually matter. That's why they're called foundational skills. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty pretty interesting stuff. Um, some good metrics, you know, for guys to kind of log and kind of understand, you know, where that, that number is because it's something to come back and visit um, and see, you know, if you're doing your dry fire, if it makes a difference. If you're doing your practice, does it make a difference? And I think that it does. Um, so I'd be interested to revisit that again in a month or so, yeah. you know, and go from there. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. um, the next drill we did is called Four Aces. So it's a draw, um, two shots, reload, um, two more shots. Yep. So we start out with two rounds in the gun, um, slide lock, reload. Uh, we did this at five yards and at 10 yards. Yep. Um, the published B class part time for this in the, the practical shooting training book is three and a half seconds. Uh, we did this all from concealment, so both the draw and the reload were from concealment. Um, we took Todd Green from PistolTraining.com, and his fast test looked at the basically the corrections for unconcealment, and then it applied them in reverse. Yeah. So we gave an extra half a second uh, for the draw, and then another half a second for the reload um, because they were from concealment, and looked at this as a part time at five yards of. Four and a half seconds, and then at 10 yards, the part-time was five seconds. Uh, we didn't talk about the part-times until after everybody was done. Yeah. And I think just about everybody was like, oh. Yeah, 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 for real. Well, and if you, again, you know, and we, we have a buddy of ours who, you know, spent the last few years doing quite a bit of USPSA shooting, and he was a, um, he was a sandbagging B-class shooter. He was, a, you know, ranked as a B, but was probably shooting as a, as a, an A for sure, maybe a master. Yeah. Um, but he's also the guy who would do, you know, literally, literally, literally thousands of reps on the reloads 
Um, and, you know, so when you start talking about, you know, in general, I think people look at a reload as a two second conversation when you're talking concealment and, and from a, uh, LEO perspective, we'd like to see if we're sub three seconds, we're probably pretty happy with a reload. Um, when you, when you get down to guys who actually train and beat the snot out of this stuff over and over again, and we're also coming back to a one second draw to first shot, um, a one second draw to first shot from an open top holster is not that big of a deal. Um, yeah, I've actually- done it. So actually, at this level, um, the published part time for a draw is one point two. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you do one point two and you figure another full second for the reload, you still got to get four shots in eight tenths of a second. So you're running two of yeah. splits. Um, you know, and that you know, so there, there's a so when you hear that three second and it sounds like well that's ridiculous, it's 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 doable from the right equipment from a dude who knows what he's doing. Um, you know, from from running from concealment, I think only adding half a second is probably still pushing it for your average Joe. Um, yeah. You know, we train a fair amount. I know a lot of guys talk about how they have XYZ time from draw to first shot, um, but that tends to be like the fourth or fifth attempt on the range after they're good and warmed up and they have their head screwed on straight. Um, you know, looking at this cold and on demand, I see a whole lot of guys that are that are two second plus from the holster, from concealment, and at that point, <laughs> you're not making three seconds. No. And when you start adding a second on for, you know, the additional time constraints or the additional time additions going from concealment, um, it you know, it, it's still a conversation around, yeah, you're, the half a second is for concealment, that's fine, but when you look at, like, placement of your mag pouches, how far away they are from your carcass and things like that, I, I think those part-times are a little bit tight. Um, I'm real happy with what most of the... I'm real happy with about half of what the guys were doing. You know, there are some of us who were consistently yeah. under six, um, you know, for draw two shots, reload two shots. And I know that's not blazing fast, but I was pretty happy with that from concealment. Uh, there were some of us that were struggling and were pushing out, you know, eight, nine seconds without any hindrance and then got into issues with, you know, fumbling a mag or, or fouling a reload in some fashion yeah. or ammo issues or whatever. And, and there, were, there were some, I think there were some broken hearts. Yeah, be able to get uh, the draw. I mean, the draw <clears throat> is the draw. Yeah. Um, you know, with the with the half second correction, you know, you got one point seven. Yep. To get the gun out and get that first shot, yep. which at ten yards really isn't that hard. Nope. To be no, at one seven. Yep. Um, if anything, um, getting Two. the reload, like I bumbled bumbled one of the reloads pretty good because it yep. got caught in the t-shirt. Yep. Um, you know, when we do the draw, we got two hands to clear the cover garment. Yeah. When you're doing the reload, you've got one. Yep. Uh, so being able to get get the mag out, getting a good drip only on the mag and not the mag in the t-shirt becomes important. Sure. Or the cover garment, uh, getting that out, getting it indexed correctly. Uh, this is where drip becomes really, really important. Uh, I saw it a couple ways. One, you know, be able to get that follow-up shot to go yep. where it needs to. Yep. Uh, it's no longer just one shot, but you got to send the second one. Yep. Uh, number of guys, and I know this has happened to me a lot over the years. You got big hands, big thumbs. Uh, you tend to ride the slide release, especially on Glocks. Yeah. So for a slide lock reload, the slide goes forward on the last shot. Yeah. Instead of staying locked back, um, doing the overhand rack is a, it's three or four tenths of a second penalty. Yep. Um, and that that becomes a grip issue. Yeah. Um, whether we want to think of it as a grip issue or not, but it's a grip issue. Yeah. And then uh, be able to reacquire the correct grip to send the second to yeah. the second pair home um, is really important. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely the mechanics of of the body alignment 
and then also the mechanics of the reload and the body reacquiring the body alignment. And then, so a lot of guys, I, I noticed that like a lot of guys fouled two shots reload. And then the first shot after the reload was the one they fouled because they didn't get, because they broke grip on the gun to do the reload, but didn't reacquire that good grip again. And the shot didn't go where they wanted, but then the fourth shot, they kind of caught the front sight and corrected and went on because they're outrunning their headlights a little bit. Yeah. Um, you or, know, you know, the mag didn't go all the way into the gun. Yeah, those, those things happen too, right? So, yeah. So anyway, we, you know, we, we, had, we had some fun with this. Um, definitely learned, you know, some things around, you know, we do a lot of drawing from concealment. Um, as, as largely civilians, we don't spend a lot of time reloading the gun um, as and not being competitors. I mean, you know, in competition, yeah. most of the stages are set up, so there's a reload at some point. Um, most of those guys will try and game the reload. And I don't mean game in a negative way. I mean game in a I want to win way. They'll try and game the reload to where they're moving, not to where they're shooting. They don't ever want to run the gun dry if you can do that. And in USPSA, you can dump partially charged mags on the ground and blah, 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 blah. So at, for us, you know, you're running the drill as the drill sits and going for the mag. But the, like Brian said, the mag's concealed. It's up against the body tight, so it's actually it's actually concealed, yeah. um, not poking through a shirt. And so there, there are some aspects of that that, like I said, the time constraints were pretty pretty tight. Um, I know there's some dudes out there though that could probably make that happen even from concealment that four and a half or five or five and a half seconds is doable yeah, the four and a half at five yards really seemed pretty good because mm -hmm. um, those are body index shots yeah. yeah so they're a little quicker right you're gaining two tenths maybe um, but, on mean, each end of that like if you if you if your draw if your draw mechanics and your reload yep. mechanics are solid yep um, you got to move quickly but it's not out of the realm of possibilities no I agree absolutely so interesting thing to put that stuff together and get a metric on it. Um, you know, the, the draw, draw one, shoot one thing is interesting, but I think the draw, shoot two thing is a little more, uh, gives you a little more information. Absolutely. Gives you a little more information. So definitely good stuff there. Um, anything else to add to that? Um, this is a, a, a drill that you can dry fire pretty easily. Yeah. Um, if you're going to dry fire it, you know, get, take up the slack on the trigger. Yeah. You know, for the shots, um, have the gun set up, you know, with dummy rounds so you can actually use the slide release. Yeah. Um, yeah, be able to do it. Uh, the other thing I think from this, knowing the condition of your weapon system. Yeah. So we can game this drill from that perspective because after two rounds, we know the gun is empty. Yeah. Uh, be able to either feel or see what the slide's done. Yep. Tells you a lot. Uh, there were a couple guys that, you know, Again, that thumb on the slide release thing, the slide goes home. They put a mag in the gun, they hit the slide release that's already on the closed slide. Yeah. And then try to shoot the gun and then wonder why why it didn't go bang. Sure, um, sure. So, you know, knowing like, oh, did the slide lock back? Did the slide go forward? Yeah. Um, can I run the slide release to, to do the reload or do I have to do an yeah. overhand rack on the gun? Yep. And for um, a couple of those guys, it was a system they've run for a while. And for one of those guys, it was a brand new system. So, you know, one of them's learning that feel on that particular weapon system and learning that the surface areas are very, very different from one gun to the next. Uh, but a couple guys is on the same gun they run all the time. And it was like, didn't know whether to crap or go blind. And it was, you know, it's like, oh, learning, learning is occurring. Look, yeah. learning, learning. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's be able to do that stuff, you know, at speed. Yep. Uh, so it's one thing to be able to like, oh, we're going to practice our reloads. And if it takes five seconds or it takes 10 seconds, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Here, you know, that, that timer is continually running, and it yeah. is unforgiving. Yep. Um, also a note around uh, guys who carry multiple guns, multiple very different systems of guns. Um, we, we saw, you know, some, some guys changing around, trying different systems. 
um, on these particular drills. And it wasn't, you know, w what we ran into were different guns have different surface areas and they consider those surface areas for different uses. For example, the little lever on the side of a Glock that locks the slide back is a slide lock. It locks it open. The release for Glock is inserting a new magazine and doing an overhand rack is what Glock wants you to do. Um, it, that's why that little device is so small. Um, and it's perfectly hittable if you train to it. And it's even more hittable if you go with an aftermarket accessory, if it works for you. Um, but then going over to, for example, an H and K, um, the H and K USP, the H and K, um, VP nines and the, and the, uh, the P thirties and whatnot all have a huge slide release. It's like two inches long. It's a great big surface area. And it's intended for you to jam a mag in and hit that. And if you're going from one system to the other, the gun behaves very, very differently. And so there, you know, there's always that opportunity there. If you're running from one gun to the other as a carry gun, be aware that if you, you know, some of these things are going to cause some problems that you say, oh, well, on the range when it's 80 degrees and beautiful and sunny, I've never had a problem. But you try and do things quickly or under stress or with a little bit of fumble fingers from an adrenaline dump, um, those surface areas do not behave the same way from system to system to system. And it would suck to find out on a really bad day. So, you know, yeah. if you're going to switch guns, you know, put the time and effort in. That's what one of our guys was doing. That was the beginning of putting those reps in to figure out how to make that new system work. And definitely was learning, okay, got to change some things up to make that happen. Um, and that's that's why we're out there. That's why we're doing it is so that, you know, we can get that training in and, and master that system as well as the skills. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, last thing. Um, we're just going to, is, is that, can we jump? Yeah, yeah okay. let's jump okay. into it. So, um, guys, we we spent some time, um, working around a simulated automobile, um, you know, doing some vehicle based defensive tactics stuff. Um, this is not like military law enforcement vehicle interdiction stuff. This is very simply just trying to stay alive. Um, a, a lot of us spend a lot of time around in and around vehicles, traveling both to and from work to and from whatever social engagements, things of that nature. Um, and then a couple of the guys in the group actually, you know, their part of their professional job is to have a gun in a car and drive around and catch bad guys. Um, doctrine around using vehicles as cover has changed dramatically. And, and I'm not going to get a whole lot into the details of this other than to say it's open source information. Go look it up. Uh, there's a dude named Will Petty. Um, at, at centrifuge, that centrifuge training. Uh, there's some guys at 88 tactical here locally, um, that have a really good grasp on this stuff and a few other places that do a really phenomenal job of teaching how to work around vehicles, both for civilians and for law enforcement. But suffice it to say, um, the days of, I'm, I've got a 1970, you know, 83 crown Vic with the iron block V8, um, in the front end, and a, and a huge back. transaxle in the back because it's a rear-wheel drive vehicle. And the wheels are meant to hold a whole crap load of steel going down the road and big tires. So the wheels are made out of steel as well. Um, you know, the, the transaxle on the front, uh, the, the tires and the engine on the, or the, trans, the tires, wheels and engine on the front do a good job of stopping bullets. Um, the transaxle, transaxle on the back does a good job of stopping bullets, but understand that it's very low to the ground. Um, so, you know, peeking up over the car and taking a look around, you know, the trunk of the car is probably ill-advised. Um, of course, you still don't want to take your eyes off the bad guy. So how does that work? Uh, doctrine has changed dramatically. We've been able to look at dash cam videos. We've been able to look at um, body cam videos, etc. And we've got just tons of data over the last 30 years that we've recorded to understand what works and what doesn't. And using the car as cover, but maintaining visual contact with the bad guy 
and using different parts of the car, like the vertical pillars on the car for cover, seems to be the best option. Doesn't seem to be. The data bears out. That's a better option because uh, it allows you to maintain visual contact with the bad guy, gives you some cover, allows you mobility because you're not laying down on the ground or on a knee or whatever. Um, and it's just, in general, a better way to fight. So we spent some time running yeah. drills. And one of the few parts in the car that aren't made out of tinfoil, at least. That exactly. Yeah, I mean, that. well, that's the whole thing with the, that, that vertical structure at the pillars um, is made for rollover accidents to hold the car up and keep it from smushing you. Um, so that tends to be made out of a very different type of steel uh, a and, and a thicker version of that tougher steel. And it will stop a lot of things that the front end of a Honda Civic or the back end of a new pickup truck don't stop bullets well at all. So just understand that um, and go take training with some of these guys and learn how to utilize that vertical that vertical cover um, and that contact with the bad guy and, and how to stack those things up and make them work to your advantage. Uh, we spent some time running those drills, engaging multiple targets uh, and doing some stuff like that, all at relatively close distances. First, The furthest target probably wasn't more than 20 yards. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of giving guys some reps on moving around the car. Um, you know, that some things learned from that. Uh, we had some guys who, you know, really think of the vehicle as a monolithic block of, of cover. It's not, it's a monolithic block of concealment to some extent. Um, but it's not a monolithic block of cover. There are parts in it that do better than others. And so, you know, learning how to utilize those parts and get in that mentality of staying behind the vehicle. Uh, also for some of our guys are kind of chasing down the idea that you've got a bad guy trying to get to you and there's that pit bull mentality the fight's on i'm going to take the fight to the bad guy so you know maybe a little bit of it's stepping away from that too and understanding that cover is more important you know i remember jaeger in in one of the classes tactical response in one of the classes going going so so what's more important guys you're in the gunfight everything's going south guns are going off and is it more important to, you when you kill the bad guy or not get shot and you know and all the type a's in the room and all the supposed meteors are like kill the bad guy oh wait a minute no, it's probably more important to not get shot. Bingo. So, you know, learning to use the vehicle appropriately as cover and pick your fight versus, you know, that that super aggressive attitude. And I'm not saying that the super aggressive attitude doesn't have a place because it surely does in a fight. Um, but just working our way through some of those things and seeing, you know, what works best. So, yeah. 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 For this, um, we've got access to a range that allows us to move or orient targets in more than just a 90 degree plane. Um, so take advantage of that to simulate, you know, engaging one guy who's moving around the vehicle. Yep. Uh, which I thought was really important. Um, important distinction. Important distinction. Yep. And that forced you to, to think more of the car um, from a 360 degree perspective. Uh, this is a, a really good activity to kind of war game, you know, at home in the garage. Yep. Or in the driveway. Um, you can do it with finger guns or with squirt guns. Um, don't do it with your real gun. Yep. Um, but yeah, getting getting a feel for you know where where the stuff on your vehicle is um, as you're scan you know walking through a parking lot, uh, you can kind of start to realize like, hey, passenger cars are different for pickup trucks, which are different from SUVs, which are different from minivans. Yeah, and getting a feel for you know where these things are at on different vehicles. Yeah, and there'll be more to follow on this too. We're going to talk a little more about internal techniques with the vehicle and stuff like that at some point. But right now, just figuring yeah. out where things are for sure. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. I think people learned some things um, going at it maybe a little bit backward, but um, that was just based on facilities and equipment. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, on that note, as we come across training things and whatnot, we post them to our social media. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 
along with that, um, we get new products and stuff in. Um, that's where they get posted. So check us out on there. Just search for Cap City Outfitters. Uh, on our website, you can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're here Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon and sign up for our weekly newsletter on the website. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.